Welcome to the Should A Bit More podcast presented by Goal Boys. Coming up on the show today, Stucky of the Action Network will join us. We'll discuss all four division matchups, go into great detail, X's and O's, props, sides, totals. I'm sure Stucky's going to have a lot of thoughts on those, so excited to talk to him. And we entered the last weekend of the season. This is it. This is the last time where we have multiple games both days, so... After this, it's a long week where you don't have anything uh, Thursday, Saturday. You know, we're, we're used to – we're spoiled. We're used to these games Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday, Saturday. It's football all the time during the regular season. Now it's two games Saturday, two games Sunday, maybe the best weekend of the year. And then it's nothing until next Sunday, which, look, Conference Championship Sunday is one of the best days of the season. But after that, it's two weeks. It's a long layoff. It's only the Super Bowl left, so – Enjoy the rest of football while you can. Uh, let's just let's get into these games. I'll give you my picks before we get to Stucky, uh, and I'll just go in chronological order. I will say, and I said this on the Monday show, be careful division weekend. It's very easy to fall in love with these teams that won last weekend. It's the only game on. We're all watching them. I think there becomes a little bit, these, these dogs become a little too trendy, and I'll start there with Houston. I think this is a little too trendy here. People falling in love with Stroud. This is still a Houston team that plays in a dome. They're going outdoors in the cold against a rested, vicious, you know, motivated Baltimore team. A lot of times you've taken the dog in the regular season. It's a good bet because who knows, maybe the favorite, they're not focused. They're not motivated. They don't care about winning by margin or whatever. That's not the case in the playoffs. In the playoffs, these home teams, it doesn't mean they're going to win, doesn't mean they're going to cover, but these teams are not, you're not going to catch them off guard. You're not, you're not going to be overlooked um, in the playoffs. So you're going to get a focused Ravens team here. I'll lay the nine and a half. I also like Texans team total under 17 and a half. Again, this is a dome team from Houston outdoors against the nasty Ravens defense. I just think Baltimore will control the ball, control the clock. Aaron Schatz and DVO, who we've had on uh, and we had on a couple weeks ago, he had a stat. Houston is the second worst tackling team in the league. They had 130 missed tackles, the second most in the league. I think that will rear its ugly head. Houston really hasn't played a lot of good teams, beaten a lot of good teams. The Browns were, were you know, people fell in love with, with the Flacco story. That was a Browns team that wasn't as good on the road. Flacco, we knew a bad game was coming in, in one game. Uh, I just feel like Houston, they're satisfied. They got their win. They could lose this game 49 to nothing. They still had a great season. So I think Baltimore wins. I think they win comfortably. So Baltimore minus nine and a half and Texans team total under 17 and a half are plays for me. Similar line of thinking with San Fran. I think this line is a little cheap minus nine and a half. I don't like the 49ers defense, so I don't want to lay the nine and a half. If I had to take it or lay it, I guess I would take it just because of a backdoor. My bet here, and this is my favorite bet of the weekend, 49ers team total over 29 and a half. This got home last week with the Cowboys, same number. And you can shop around. You get 28 and a half, 29 and a half, 30 and a half. I, 29 and a half is like, I think they're going to get into the 30s, but 30 is a key number where three touchdowns, three field goals, you win. The 49ers are going to get their point too. This is a terrible Green Bay defense. Alexander, their best guy in the secondary is hurt. This is still a Green Bay team that gave up 30 to Carolina. That lost to Tommy DeVito. They did not play a lot of these good teams in the regular season. A lot of these good offenses, they didn't play the Cowboys, the Ravens, the 49ers, the Bills, the Dolphins. And they did play the Cowboys in the playoffs, and they beat them. But look, they, even on a bad day for Dallas, Dallas put up 32 points. So to me, San Francisco is going to get their points. I think they're going to score uh, at will here. If you've noticed, Green Bay has decided to take the ball at, at these kickoffs. Most teams defer. 49ers always defer. Most teams do defer. So if Green Bay wins the toss, I think they'll take the ball again. They took it last week. They took it on Thanksgiving against Detroit. It worked out for them last week. And it worked out on Thanksgiving. So I think Green Bay starts with the ball here. I don't want to take Green Bay. I mean, you can get a plus three first quarter. 
If you get plus three and a half, okay, I get it, but I don't like that side of the game. So what, how I'll play it, San Francisco third quarter, minus one and a half, I think is a good bet. I think San Francisco starts the second half with the ball. So if I had to take it or land, I guess I'd take it just because I, I don't love this 49ers defense. And I will say this, like I think 49ers are the best team. I thought they're the best team all year. Their three big wins, they're three of their best wins, were three of the best wins anyone had all season. They buried the Cowboys on that Sunday night game. They killed Jacksonville in Jacksonville. They killed Philly in Philly. Those games were all impressive at the time. None of those games are as impressive right now. So keep that in mind. This is still a 49er team. I think you could move the ball against. I think San Francisco will move the ball so well where all they need to do is hold Green Bay to a, a field goal here and there, get a couple stops here and there, and they're going to win this game because I think they're just going to run, run, run some more, score at will. 49ers should win this game. I'd be shocked if they lost. I know Green Bay's gotten trendy here, but I like the 49ers. We'll go to Sunday. Boy, who, who breaks up the money line parlay of Ravens, 49ers, Lions? Does anybody break it up? I don't think so. I know this line's probably a little bit inflated, but you're kind of in a dead number. I know six is a keyish number, but I think the Lions win this game by a touchdown, 10 points. They can stop the run. They can rush the passer. Tampa's off a short week. Again, Tampa is a little bit of a Cinderella. I always feel like the division round is where Cinderella goes to die. I, I just don't see Tampa winning this game. Of all the unpredictable things that have happened in sports this year, the Diamondbacks and Rangers playing in the World Series, the Heat making the finals, Florida Atlantic going to the Final Four, Tampa making the conference championship game would be about as unlikely as any of them. I can't see it happening. Now, again, six and a half is a lot. They could, the Lions could win and not cover. How last week the Lions won and didn't cover. I think that, that crowd's crazy on Sunday. I think... They get a pass rush. I think they win this game. I don't know, 27-17, 27-20. I think they win the game by a score. I don't think they'll blow them out. They don't really blow many teams out, but I do think they win by 7 to 10 points, something like that. So I'll lay it there with the Lions. You could throw the Lions in a tease. Uh, maybe with our next game, and this is the game of the weekend, the best rivalry in the NFL right now. We don't really have a great rivalry. It was Steelers-Ravens for a while. It was Seahawks-49ers. It was Brady versus Manning, whatever team Manning was on, whether it was the Colts or the Broncos. We haven't had that great rivalry. Uh, this is it. This is Mahomes and Allen, maybe the two best quarterbacks in the league. I know Jackson's going to win his second MVP here in five years, so maybe you say it's him, but he hasn't been as consistently good as Allen. The playoff rivalry with these teams meeting back-to-back -back years, the 13 seconds game a couple years ago, this is the same round, same time slot and everything as the 13 seconds game. Is this the year the Bills finally get him? The Bills finally get him away from Arrowhead. You finally get Kansas City where, hey, it's not their vintage team. They don't have their vintage weapons. I can't lay points against Mahomes. I just can't do it. Kansas City's got the rest advantage. They've got the injury advantage. Buffalo got really beat up at the end of that Monday game against Pittsburgh. Again, you're going to turn around, play late afternoon Monday uh, into Sunday where Kansas City got to rest all weekend. They didn't play Sunday. They had Sunday off having played that Saturday game. Plus, if you remember, week 18, Kansas City rested their guys. So this is almost like uh, you know a, a double-edged sword here in terms of, not a double-edged sword, but this is a, a, an added advantage in terms of the rest where, all right, you pretty much get week 18 off and then you get extra rest before this game. Meanwhile, Buffalo, they've been playing for their season every week for a good six weeks now. They have not been able to afford a loss playing against Miami for the division, playing against you know, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Cowboys, they they couldn't afford to lose any of these games, dating back to the game against Kansas City in the regular season, December 3rd. So you wonder if Buffalo's a little tired, short rest, injured, and at the end of the day, I, I can't lay points against Mahomes. I, I just can't do it. That's two and a half. Don't ever bet two and a half until right before the game because you might get a three. I think you will get a three here, especially if this Buffalo injury report looks decent. 
Uh, but I'll take the points here. If I go down with Mahomes getting points, I go down with Mahomes getting points. I do like the under in this game at 46. I think there's a sort of a feel here when you see Allen Mahomes, you think of these games as being high scoring, these teams as being high scoring. The the Chiefs have not been that this year. The Chiefs have been an under machine, and the Bills are a little more run heavy. So I, I could see an under here. I could see like a 23-20 type of game. If you want just like a little sweat and you want long odds on something, overtime is 11-1. to 1. I mean, these games are always close, it seems. Kansas City isn't good enough on offense to really pull away from anybody. I don't count that Miami game last week because Miami was so beat up. I would think this is going to be a close game. I, I would think this is going to be a close game. And boy, do, 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 does Buffalo start getting flashbacks if this is a close game? To, uh-oh, here we go again. So uh, I would expect a good one. This is a, a great game. I, I'm so excited for this game. I do like under. I like under more than I like KC, but. I'll make those the plays. Kansas City plus the points. I'll go under, and then I'll go San Francisco team total over. San Francisco third quarter. I'll go Detroit minus the six and a half, and then I will go Ravens minus nine and a half, and and also Texans under 17 and a half total points. So a lot of plays. Hopefully we can get all of them or most of them home. Uh, Excited. Excited for this weekend. Excited to get it started, starting with the Ravens and the Texans Saturday afternoon. So I don't know. Do we get a big upset? Do any of the 49ers, Ravens, Lions, do any of those teams lose? I don't think so. I know people are going to say, hey, we got a bunch of blowouts this week. We're due for close games. doesn't always work that way. Just because we got a bunch of blowouts last week doesn't mean we're, we're not going to get blowouts this week. There's not, they're not, uh, I know, I understand that line of thinking, but there's no reason that any of these games have to be close. You'd figure one of the the big dogs, Texans, Packers, Bucks would at least cover. I have a hard time seeing all three big favorites win and and all cover, but it's possible. I mean, we're not, we're not, it's not written in stone that we get good games here. I would think Casey Buffalo would be good, but we'll see. We will see. Um, just quickly here, McCarthy's going to stay with the Cowboys. I'm surprised. I'm not shocked. I thought Belichick would go to Dallas. I thought it made some sense, but Dallas has a habit of sticking with these coaches way too long. Garrett was there forever. Maybe Dallas reached out to Belichick and, they got word, hey, this isn't going to work out. Belichick's not interested. He wants to go to Atlanta for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know that that happened, but maybe Dallas sniffed around and said, hey, we can't get Belichick. We can't get Harbaugh. Let's, before we fire McCarthy, let's make sure we can get one of these guys. Let's see if they're interested. And maybe they got feedback back that, hey, it's uh, it's not going to happen, so let's just stick with McCarthy. Makes no sense. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. They're going to keep the, de- the, the head coach. They're going to keep the defensive coordinator. I mean, they're not going to win. This is this is why teams don't win. The worst thing you can have in sports, it's not a bad quarterback, a bad pitching staff, a bad bad manager. It's a bad owner because the bad you can't trade the owner. The Knicks have gone through this forever. Uh, I'm worried the Yankees are going to go through this. The owner's there. The owner's the one constant, and he, there's a trickle-down effect. When you have a bad owner, that leads to bad decisions, bad managers, bad everything. Now, the Cowboys have won a lot of games, but you can't trade a bad owner, and it's just it's hard to see a, a, a scenario here where, the, where Dallas actually wins under Jerry Jones. I mean, it's going to... It's it's grim to say, but in, in, while he's still alive, while he's still involved, I just I think he's got too much of an ego. He wants to be the star of the team. It's just they're not going to win with him. You can't win with a bad owner. Knicks can't win with Dolan. I'm worried the Yankees can't win with the, the Steinbrenner kid. How? Um, it's just you, you can't trade a bad owner. We've seen the Cleveland Browns be bad forever. The King. I mean, you just go down the line. These teams that have bad owners, um, it, it it bleeds into the team, and it's the guy that. You don't really see during the game. You, you don't. He's not really talked about. He doesn't have a stat sheet, so you can't really put stats on a bad owner. But bad owners uh, are why you don't win. And, and Dallas is just they're they're not going to win. They'll win a bunch of games next year, but hard to imagine it, it's anything different when it comes to the playoffs. But uh, let's talk a little more about these games. That is next. We'll get Stucky on here from the Action Network. We'll go over all four games. That is next. This 
is the Should A Bit More podcast. All right, we are back. Should A Bit More podcast. Excited to talk some football with our next guest from the Action Network, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation. It is the great Stucky. Stucky, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. What's going on, bro? Thanks for having me. Uh, seven, only seven football games left. So oh, don't best, say it which, out loud. Uh, don't say it out loud. I know. Loud. It's depressing, but uh, I'm excited for this weekend, which I think in general is the best weekend of the NFL season. Might not be that this this particular year, but in general, um, you know, you have the best teams playing. You have multiple games on each day. Uh, this is uh, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. It's a great weekend. I think conference championship Sunday is probably one of the five best, one of my five favorite days of the year. Yep. But after that, it's two weeks off. It's the Super Bowl, which is a different feel than a regular NFL Sunday. And then the season kind of dies after after the title games. Uh, but we'll get into each game here. Just quickly, divisional round, anything specific about this round that you, you give pointers on, things to look for, things to stay away from, things like that? Uh, I mean, I will say that it's – look, it's later in the year, so the markets are going to be pretty sharp. So as always, you know, this this – it should always be the case, but you want to make sure that you shop around. And if you can, you want to, you know, you want to bet earlier in the week, um, you know, especially around key numbers. Um, I think that you just have to understand that the market is going to be pretty efficient this time of the year. So the edges are going to be smaller, but I think that matchups come into play even more. Um, that's what I spend most of my time. I mean, like, think about it, you know, my, my little sister could pretty much come up with you know, where the lines should be around, like, uh, you know, in a ballpark by this point. So a lot of it's going to come down to matchups, coaching, you know, even little things like special teams. So uh, yeah, the edges are a little harder to find, but I, I spend most of my time now going through how I think the game's going to play out. And we have a big data set on, okay, how these, this is how these teams play offense. This is how these teams play defense. This is what they might do. How will that impact the game? Um, so yeah, it's not too different, but the, just the, the edges are smaller. So, uh, you know, but the, luckily there's, you know, there's only four games. So you get to spend a shitload more time breaking them down. Let's get into it. The first game of the weekend, the Texans in their rightful spot here is at Saturday afternoon, your Baltimore Ravens laying nine and a half total 43 and a half. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I like the Ravens here. I, I played some Baltimore minus five and a half first half. Um, I, you know, look, the, the Ravens have the, the obvious here. They have the buy and Harbaugh's historically been pretty good off the buy, but they're, I think that's super valuable in this particular case because their staff has been so good this year, especially their coordinators and prepping for teams. And if you look at what Baltimore has done against, you know, playoff teams, it's faced, they're winning by an average of 15 points per game against the eight playoff teams they face this year they've just dominated teams and it's a lot of it's, you know, Mike McDonald, the schemes that he comes up with. If you look at many of the teams in the NFL, for example, let's take the Texans. They play a lot of zone. They don't blitz a lot. And number one, that's, that's a nightmare against Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has destroyed zones all year, 70% completion, 0.1 EPA per dropback, 52% success rate, just elite numbers. He actually even scrambles and scrambles more successfully against zone, which is counterintuitive, but, He's just so fast. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, most times you think a quarterback's going to scramble more against man, but he is destroyed zone. It's a really good matchup for Jackson. And, you know, especially to get Andrews back here in any capacity on that offense, but defensively the Ravens, 
you know, they don't really have a profile. You say, okay, this, this is what they run. They're not like a pure zone team. They're not a pure man team. They will switch it up based on the opponent and really cater their game plan based on who they're playing, which is ideal. And then that makes it even tougher for the other team to prepare for what they're going to see. And it makes it even more important when you have a buy and you have two weeks to prepare for who you're potentially going to play. You also have a Texans team that's a dome team going outdoors, playing in frigid temperatures. And this Texans team, look, C.J. Stroud is unbelievable. He's going to be a hell of a quarterback, and it already is. But number one, they're not healthy. So their wide receivers are banged up. You're basically down to Nico Collins and, uh, you know, a bunch of, yeah, yeah. And their defense has some injuries. Their secondary is already not fully healthy. Both, all their defensive ends are banged up. But this is a team, a Texans defense. And and look, they're, they're decent against the run, terrible against the pass. I think the Ravens are going to come out of here, pass-heavy game plan right away, be ultra-aggressive. They played nobody all year. If you go by EPA, they played one top 10 EPA offense. And that was Baltimore week one. And they lost by 16. Ravens offense wasn't great. It was the first game of a new brand new scheme. That's it. They haven't faced a top 10 offense since week one. The only other top 18 quarterback in EPA that they faced was Baker Mayfield. And the Bucs put up 37 in Houston. Uh, so th- if you just look at their schedule, they have not faced many if at all, great offenses. So I think it's going to be a little shock to the system here. And it's just a bad matchup for their defense in general. Special teams advantage, home field advantage also for the Ravens. And they're just, because of the prep, and it's always been the case with Harbaugh. And then the, the speed, it takes some time to adjust to Lamar's speed. If you're on defense, like there's the angles you got to cut. They're elite when it comes to covering the first half. Lamar Jackson, most profitable quarterback in NFL history. Against the spread in the first half, 50 and 25, which is just a stupid number. Harbaugh, the most profitable coach in NFL history in the first half against the spread. Now, there's some overlap because obviously they're together. But if you remove Lamar Jackson, Harbaugh, first half against the spread, still 58% in his career. For example, he's 7 and 2 against the spread with Huntley starting. So I think the Ravens are going to have a ridiculous game plan. They're going to confuse Stroud, simulated pressures. They're going to play more man because Stroud has. You know, just absolutely carved up zone all year. Been pretty average to below average against man. So I think Stroud's going to make some mistakes early. Ravens, I think, are going to jump out ahead, which is why I prefer the first half. I also like the game, but the Ravens have a tendency to kind of play with their food sometimes in the second half. So I can see, you know, potential backdoor or, yeah. So I, I just think they're going to come out here fully focused. And there's just good, there's serious advantages on both sides of the ball. So I like Baltimore first half. I think it was DVOA had this stat. Most missed tackles in the league. Washington had the most missed tackles. Not something you want to lead the league in. And Texans were second with like 130 missed tackles. And there was some more uh, just X's and O stuff where passes to the left side of the field, something Baltimore excels at. They're really good. And the Texans struggle uh, defending passes to the left side of the field. I, what do you think about a Texans team total under 17 and a half? Figure Baltimore is going to just – Control time of possession, keep them off the field. You get a rookie, like you said, home team from Houston, outdoors, shivering. You think that's a good bet under 17 and a half? Or you just worry about garbage time too much? Yeah, I, I don't mind that. Um, I, yeah, the, I mean, if the Ravens like just obliterate them, which they have done to teams. I mean, think back to, at home to the, you know, the the Lions, the Seahawks, the, I mean, even the Niners. I mean, with the Niners, but I think the, I mean, you get like Sam Darnold in there and scoring touchdowns. 
but you can't, I mean, you can't be afraid of garbage time scores on a team total under. So yeah, I, I like that. Um, I also think that the Ravens, one of the other reasons I like the first half is they tend to get a little conservative late um, in games with the lead. And especially if they're like defense just has Stroud in a pretzel, then they're going to go conservative. And it's like, Hey, we got Andrews. If you know, whatever you get from Andrews, you're not like keeping them out there with a hurt ankle. You have the bills or chiefs next week. It's like, let's get out of here with a win. So I think the game could die down late too. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't mind that look at all. Always worry about a team too that could lose this game 48 to nothing. And they still had a great season. So I don't know. I mean, people go look, you could reverse that and say, oh, you know, they come in fast and lose playing with house money. I don't know. I, I just, I worry they're a little satisfied here. Um, Next game. It's all, also, it's all about the start. It's all about the start uh, yeah. in this game. Like, cause then you have Lamar, there's Lamar start pressing cause he doesn't want a playoff game. You have all those questions. Then you have the Texans playing with house money. The Ravens get tight, but I really believe from everything that I've looked at that the Ravens are going to come out here firing and they should get a lead early. And they've just been so good early in games. And if that's the case, uh, you know, it's not like the Texans are going to be able to run the ball here. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have a lot of known passing downs. And that's where I think you'll probably see a couple Stroud mistakes. Um, and then uh, I think it could get ugly from there. Saturday night, same spread, same situation. The NFC team hosting off of the bye. San Francisco laying nine and a half, total 15 and a half. Feels like the Packers and the Texans, both a little trendy. And we see this every year with the wild card. Hey, this team won last week. I watched them win. Uh, it's a standalone game, so everyone's watching the games. You fall in love a little bit with these teams that win wildcard weekend. You forget these teams that are off are off for a reason. I don't love this Niners defense. I'm torn on the spread. I do love the San Francisco team total over 29 and a half. I just think they're going to get their points here. Where are you at here, Packers and Niners? Yeah, I don't mind. I like the Niners. Um, I actually might play the team total over as well. It's almost a hedge, too, because um, I think the only way that the Packers – cover or win this game is it's got they i mean love's got to be like prime uh you know manning or brady and just go absolutely bananas because there is i just and, and think about it like i, I don't know when the, the christmas the ravens went to san francisco six and a half point dogs in san Crazy. francisco well, now you have but now you have san francisco you know two weeks you have awful bye um playing a much less experienced quarterback and a you know much worse team and they're, they're laying, I think this line should be over 10. I think you're getting a little bit of recency bias here. The, I think the biggest difference in this game, now San Fran's defense, will, it, it's going to be getting healthier. They should get Armstead back, should get Greenlaw back. And I think that the, they should be able to generate a little bit of pressure. But I just do not see, and it's, it's also worth mentioning, the Packers have impoverished special teams. I mean, their special teams are beyond horrendous. They don't even have a, don't have a kicker they can trust. So, luck, you know, fortunately for them, they just blew out the Cowboys last week. And I think I said more about Dallas and anything. And again, it's just one game. Uh, you can go back. I mean, you could just say the Packers lost to Tommy DeVito on the road. Uh, they, I mean, they lost to the Steelers. They, you can't just focus all on one game. But they do have horrendous special teams. But I just do not see how this defense gets any stops. Um, the biggest mismatch of the weekend to me is Kyle Shanahan versus Joe Barry. And this kind of reminds me of those old – I had a, I think I had a – I had a big Packers future, I think 2019. And I knew I was drawn dead when they went to San Fran. It's the same. It's this, I, I I look at this game and I'm like, how are they going to stop the run? How are they going to stop? So number one, they're not going to stop the run. Niners run a lot of inside outside zone. Packers cannot defend either. Then they can't defend the middle of the field. 
They can't defend tight ends. They can't defend backs out of the backfield. They can't defend slot receivers. I, I mean, that is the formula for how you get shredded. They also play a ton of cover three. Purdy just rips that apart. So I, I don't I don't see a path where, you know, outside of flukes, it's one football game. I mean, you get, you get sure. three fumbles and go for three on fourth down. But I just don't see how they get stops at all. Run, pass game. And then San Fran's defense, which, you know, there's there's holes there, as you said. But San Fran is a top 10 defense. Green Bay is a bottom 10 defense. So, and San Fran is the better offense, as well as Love has been playing. So, even if we assume Love is, continues to play, as well, and he's been awesome. I mean, he's been arguably the best quarterback in the NFL since week 11. Even if you assume that he maintains that pace, and there's a chance that he has a drop-off, he has a bad game, he has some mistakes early, and then he gets rattled. Because if you think about it, I mean, the Packers, since you know, we, they lost to the Giants and they got blown out by the Bucks, then they beat the Panthers, the Vikings, and Bears to close out the year. And now everyone is in love with them because of one Cowboys game. So I think we just need to slow our breaks a little bit. I think the Packers are set for the future. Like, you got love, young offensive line pieces, and these weapons, they just have, like, where they just, they're, they, people get hurt and then they just have another guy, you know, like, oh, just Bo, Bo Melton will have 100 yards. Um, so they they are set. They need to get a new defensive coordinator to just schematic. Like if they had Flores, like say they hired Flores and got that schematic bump that the Vikings got next year, another year of love and these weapons, um, I mean, they're going to be super dangerous next year. But this defense is horrendous. I mean, they do we remember when they gave up 30 to the Panthers? Um, you know, and they benefited from facing DeVito, you know, Jaron Hall starting a game. But this defense is – and even if you look at their profile, I think if you go by DVI, they're probably, what, 20, what 27th, 28th overall in defense? And I bet weighted they're probably 28th, 29th. They're not getting any better. And that includes a game against the Rams. This is just opponent adjusted, not quarterback, where they played Brett Rippon. It's one of the biggest drop-offs uh, at quarterback of the NFL from Stafford to Rippon when they dominated the Rams in that game. I just don't see how they get stops. And even if Love continues to play as well as he has, the Niners are just going to get a couple more stops. And then the the one reason I'm willing to lay it here is I make it a little over 10. And again, it's not huge edges this time of the year. But I I, I generally don't love laying big numbers in the NFL just because you, there's just no, region, no reason to build margin, right? And you've seen Niners fit this description perfectly, although not as much this year. But in the past, Shanahan hasn't been great as a big favorite because he tends to get really conservative late and has a lead it'd be like fourth and one at the 12 right he's going to kick the field goal to go up you know 10 instead of go for the touchdown and the kill shot they'll start running it more in this game that's fine like if San Fran builds a lead and says we're just going to run it a bunch that'll work here and they'll continue to move the ball up and down the field so I think that's the difference I, I like your team total overlook as well because yeah in order for the Niners not to cover the Packers are going to have to get like 28 31 34 probably to win this game i think they're gonna have to get like 38 points yeah you mentioned that 2019 game remember that that was the year um green bay went there twice they went there in the regular season got killed i think it was on a sunday night game then went again there in the uh the nfc title game and that was like that was jimmy g was the quarterback for san fran and, and 49ers were like he's not jimmy g's not beating us we're not losing this game they just handed it i think mostert had like 200 something yards garoppolo literally yeah. threw it maybe five six times so yeah, i don't think it'll be that extreme bananas. yes yes i don't think it'll be that extreme 
But to your point, like Green Bay, there, there weren't that many good offenses in the NFL this year. Offense was way down. Green Bay played none of them. They didn't play the Cowboys in the regular season. They didn't play the 49ers. They didn't play the Cowboys, the Bills, the Ravens, um, the, the Packers, unless I'm missing a game in there. They just, like you said, they didn't play good quarterbacks. How about this one? If you're going to tell my team total over, I, I really like this one. San Francisco third quarter minus a point and a half. Green Bay's been taking the ball. It's been working for them. So San Fran wins the toss. They probably defer. Green Bay takes the ball, uh, wins the toss. They probably take the ball. So San Francisco is probably starting the, the second half with the ball here. Uh, I would look to play Green Bay in the first quarter, but I don't like them in the game. So I don't know. Is that is that an angle that's worth exploring? The only thing I would worry about, so I actually was thinking, I was thinking about this for every game. To, to San Fran say, you know, we're playing an inexperienced quarterback. We know that our offense. Oh, they take has, the ball. Uh, right? They're they're going to take the ball. Right, San Francisco? Hadn't thought about that. Certainly throws a little monkey wrench into my handicap. That's the only thing I'm thinking. I mean, you should defer. Yeah. Like, for example, the Ravens, when they played, the Ravens always defer, but they played the Lions earlier this year. At home. Yeah. And they won the toss and took the ball. And I, I was like, wow, this game's over. Because uh, I was like, I know that they know that they're going to jump out. I shouldn't say I know this game's over. But I, I right. had a really good feeling. And I, I tweeted out. I said, oh, shit. That, that means they, they must know that they have something here. So, And then you put the pressure on Love. Um, and because the Niners are the best team in the NFL, EPA for play in the first quarter. And their script. I mean, they they give. I mean, they went like they set the NFL record. I think earlier this year for consecutive scoring, consecutive drives, maybe touchdowns or at least consecutive scores on the opening drive of games. So that's the only thing I would be worried about. Um, is that if the Niners? So if the night, well, if the night. So you want Packers third quarter, right? No, I, I want San Fran third quarter minus a point. And a half. San Fran third quarter. So that would be, that means Green Bay would be starting with the ball. So that's the only thing I'd worry about. But I. I still, I still don't mind it. Yeah, but that's, but that would throw a little wrench into it because right, have sure, sure, uh, that's that's a big part of. They're the more likely, I think, to defer, but I can see them. I can, just with this matchup, playing an inexperienced quarterback, you know, you're gonna have an elite script. So let's just jump out and put yeah. the pressure on this kid. And their offense has been hot. We don't have to get tight if they go score. I could see it. I, I don't know. I'm I'm just bullshitting off the top of my head. Right. And you think Green Bay that. probably takes the ball though, right? Because it's it, they did it Thanksgiving. It worked for them. They did it last week. It worked for them. If they win the yeah. toss, they probably say, hey, let's do the same thing. Let's take the ball, I would think, right? Yes, I agree. Yeah. All right. Sunday afternoon, Lions laying six and a half. All these games are right around a key number. Uh, total 48 and a half. Do you like the side total anything in this game? I I show a little value in the Bucks. Um, I'm going to wait to see if I can get a flat seven. Um, I think you I will. Think that, yeah, I think that uh, from what I've seen, I was curious to see like what what the splits would be in this game, and you can public can sometimes weigh in on playoff games, but really specifically the Super Bowl, especially like throughout the week, then you'll it'll get shaped later. But um, I think we'll get a seven at some point, you know, widely available. So one of the things I like about this is that if you earlier this year when these two teams played. You might look back and you say, oh, wait, they played. Let me look. And the Bucks only scored six points. But I watched that entire game. Mayfield missed like three 80-yard touchdowns. They were guys wide open downfield. And he just had a horrendous game. It was just coverage bust all over. And that's what's going to happen against Detroit. But in that game, almost a third of his passes were 20-plus yards downfield. Like, they came out and they said, that's how we're going to beat Detroit. Just, he had an off day. 
last week against the Eagles. Eagles can't cover anybody, you know, at all the injuries in the secondary. And sometimes the Bucks they get a little like, ah, we're gonna we're gonna run it. We're gonna be a little inefficient on offense or on early downs. Not as bad as it was with Leftwich, but they still have done that at times. Not last week. They came out again, what 75, 80% neutral pass rate. So they get it. I'm confident that they get it. They're going to come out and throw here because they can't run it and you can't run in Detroit. So you got to come out here and you have to throw it. You have huge advantages on the outside. And my boy, Kate, uh, Kate Otten, of course, but uh, specifically outside, you have major advantages. That's what they have to do. And they also, Bowles can come up with some, I mean, I've seen it come up with some brilliant blitz schemes. Now it's indoor golf at home where he's usually good, but you, you, if you can get home on the blitz, because golf's production drops off on the, against the blitz pretty significantly then you can rattle him and then he just turns into pumpkin golf even indoors at home sometimes so that's another potential advantage i make this four eight i played some godwin props because he's my target in this game my one of my favorite bets was over i don't know what it's at now over 20 and a half longest reception i played over yards over catches i think vildor is the worst corner in the league i've been very vocal about that for a long time he's he's only in there he's starting outside corner for the lines He's only in there by default. Like, they're like, all right, let's try Jacobs. Let's try. And they keep trying. And then now he's just the next guy up. He's allowing 22.8 yards per catch out of 150 corners with 100 plus snaps. The next worst is 17.7. He's allowing five yards more per catch. And I think, so what's going to happen, what the Lions are going to do here one of two things. They're either gonna they're either gonna take Sutton, who's like replacement level. Lions fans think he's good. He's not. Uh, but he's like just like dead average to slightly below average corner. They might use him in shadow Evans. They've shadowed with him sometimes this year. And if that's the case, that means Godwin is gonna be on Vildor most of the game. And one of the things that the Bucks have done over the past month is they've reduced Godwin's slot snaps. And I think he's only had like 10 last week, 10 the week before. And that's a good thing for his props because then he'll be on the out he's on the outside more and he's usually more times than not on the right side, which is where Vildor usually is. Or if they're using Sutton as a shadow, wherever Godwin is, Vildor is going to be. And then you don't want him in the slot this game because that's where the Lions' best coverage options are. You have Branch, you have C.J. Gardner-Johnson now. So I think Godwin is going to just have, I mean, ample opportunities to make huge plays and it. it over 20 and a half or 21 and a half. Vildor's going up 22.8 a catch. So, and I think the line, and look, this is indoors. I think the Bucks are going to come out pass heavy. And I think he's going to get a ton of looks here. So uh, against the Lions team, it's not the third most yards to receivers. I think the Bucks get it. They come out throwing. You know, I make this closer to like five. Uh, I like some, I like targeting Godwin for some props. And if this gets to seven, I'll, I'll have to play the Bucks. One the, the only thing I am worried about is just uh, but this works if you want to take a shot in the Bucks money line because Campbell introduces variants to the game. Um, now in this particular with his fourth down decisions, like you know he's gonna go for it, you know, fourth and three, fourth and five. There's gonna be a couple of those. And bowls is not. Now I hate that for the Bucks, actually, because I think both offenses have advantages here, but bowls is like one of the least aggressive coaches in the NFL. So like Campbell on fourth and four at the you know the 40 he goes for it they get a touchdown it's seven nothing bucks come down it's fourth and fourth the 42 balls punts like and then you're like oh my god and then it, you know you're 
the your cover probably win probability in the game just just got shattered. Um, so I'm a little worried about just the aggressiveness of Campbell, but from a money line perspective, that's like what would make the Bucks even more intriguing. Um, is that Campbell's going to introduce variants into this game. You could get a really good bowls blitz scheme, like I said, and there's no reason why if, you know Baker's on and he looked good and healthy last week. Why you know you can't throw all over this line's defense. Yeah, and give Campbell credit. That was a big reason they won last week because he was aggressive. I mean, fourth and goal from the two. He didn't kick the field goal and take the three. He went for the touchdown. He got it. And at the end of the game, yeah. Rams were in a tough position without their timeouts. I think it was one timeout, and we're at the two-minute warning. A lot of teams, it was like second and nine. A lot of teams just run it twice, hope to get a first down, and then just bleed the clock. He came out second down, boom, threw it, game over. So, um, yeah, yeah And that's his, that's his personality. And it's yeah. smart because your offense is good and your defense is not. Right. Um, so – yeah, and like people were mad at the fourth and set fourth the two point conversion with the seven. Like, you're going for like the you know the potential one seed. What what is the upside? You're on the road, like, and that's who they are. They have to be that way. So I I know that it's like from a pure, it's like one to three percent. I get it. Like a bad decision that you know you should have kicked the extra point, but that's who they are. That's and they're aggressive and their offense is good. Their defense isn't very good. So. You know, and then look there, then they're going to be underdogs, you know, say they get to the Super Bowl. That'll be a good thing there, too. If they're playing a team that's much better than them uh, or if they're playing San Francisco in the NFC Championship game, they should be doing that every time they possibly can go for it on fourth down. Yeah, I thought he's significantly outcoached McVay, who is just such a fake sharp. He's, he's so good at, you know, with players, players love him. He's an unbelievably brilliant offensive mind, play caller, schemer, but he's so, so bad. I mean, it's amazing. Just if you can't fit, how can you be that smart and not get it? And I, I've, you know, there's a couple of times I've talked to coaches and they're like, dude, you're watching hundreds yes. of games and then sweating all the end game situations. They're, they don't even pay attention now. They're just, they're just looking at the plays. So a lot of it would seem common sense to us. But my counter to that, Harbaugh has done this. And Harbaugh is one of the best when it comes to uh, clock management and in game management. He has a guy. He has a, literally a guy, the Irish from, you know, like an MIT and just is says, ah, Matt says this and he could you know, override him, but just get a guy. I mean, it's not that difficult. Get an intern, you know, people you die to just have an internship of some, you know, math PhD, math nerd that would just do it for a season. Um, but would they but listen yeah, to was, him though? It doesn't matter. At least you have the, the yeah. info. Um, because like things like McVeigh, call the timeout. You let, you let 30 seconds go to the two minute warning. A play yep. is worth, 16 seconds. You can't let 30 seconds go off. Then them burning their timeouts too. That was hard. That ended up costing them for no reason. It was like a third and 11. Um, but he's always been bad at, and he's been always too conservative fourth down decisions. So yeah, I agree with you. I think Campbell's aggressiveness, um, was, was a huge part of that victory last year. Yeah, Shanahan's like that too. Remember the NFC Championship game? It was two years ago now. Shanahan had him fourth and one from like the plus 45. And man, you got all the weapons in the world. You got your great play call and you punted and that really swung that game. Shanahan's the same boat. It's, it's all the, if you, so if you go back in NFL history, the worst quarter, the worst coach against the spread is a favorite. Do you have any guess? I mean, maybe. Worst coach against the spread. He's active or no? No, not active. Boy, worst coach against the spread as a favorite would be it's going to be somebody notable. Um, it's not Belichick because he's good against the spread. I'll go Parcells was too aggressive. Um, no, just tell me. 
Mike Shanahan. So Mike Shanahan was notoriously conservative. So take the Mike Shanahan into Kyle Shanahan tree with like McVay, Kyle Shanahan, who's, I agree with you, way too conservative. One of the reasons why I generally don't like betting them as a favor, but in this case, I think it could still work if they go run heavy. Even I watch uh, Mike McDaniel. I think he turtles in these fourth downs and in-game decisions. I mean, that Titans game, fourth and goal at the two, it ended up costing the game, costing the division, costing the home game. They had to play in the Igloo because of that. But there's something with that whole tree. Or those guys, they're just such good offensive minds, and it goes back to what we're talking about, is that they spend every second all they do is on play on, on like play scheming and design and uh just scouting defenses that they just are just so woefully ignorant of okay, the end game scenario, the clock, and and it's just like they're obsessed with plays. And I don't know, but there's something to that. If you go back and just look at that entire tree, they're way too conservative in many, many aspects of the non-play calling degree. Last one, the game of the weekend rematch. Same round, same time slot as two years ago. The classic 13 seconds game. We're at two and a half. I don't know if we'll, we've seen some threes pop up here and there, but the Bills are favored. Total round 46. What do you got here? Yeah, I think it'll close three. It'll depend on. I, I've been doing chosen podcasts the last two hours. I got to add this first thing I'm going to do is the Bills injury report. Uh, Bills injury report's huge this week. Like linebackers, corners. Uh, is Rasul Douglas going to play? Have you seen anything on that? Let me look that up. Uh, last I saw was iffy. Yeah, he said he he would have played on Monday, but then McDermott said that he wasn't as close. Let's see. So Johnson's still in a red non-contact. So Tron Johnson, one of the better slots. He's a, was in a red non-contact jersey. This is just ten minutes ago. Uh this is fourth concussion. He's cleared. He's I think he's cleared. Uh, he's played that week of all previous times. I, it's a playoff, so maybe he'll play. Let's see. Dodson was at practice. Rasul was at practice. So that's a good sign. I bet you'll see three now. Um, Gabe Davis didn't practice. Benford didn't practice. Bernard didn't practice. Mixed bag. I bet you'll you'll see it. You'll see this close three. I would imagine. Um, depending on the injuries, but you know, look if you if you if you just I think this game's going to get weird. It's Bills Chiefs. Um, so it'll probably it's I can't see it not coming down to the fourth quarter. And if you told me that you just want to take Mahomes as a dog, I could not fault you. I don't think I'll end up having a bet on this game. I have a Bills 50 to 1 future, so I'll be a huge Bills fan. But I think that the difference in this game, like, you know, people just saw that game last week, like, oh, the Chiefs are back. The Chiefs are going to win. The Chiefs kind of stunk all year. I, I mean, they, they beat the practice squad of the Dolphins in an igloo. Like, I, I mean, I don't, I didn't take much from that game. I, I'll give you a, a quick trivia question. Name the only playoff team the Chiefs beat this year. Only playoff team. Well, they beat my. Oh, it has to be Miami because they beat Miami. Yeah, it's the Dolphins. They beat no other playoff teams all year, which is shocking. They play in the AFC. Like you play. Uh, wow. Yeah. They, that's good point. The, they even lost to the Packers, but they lost to the Bills. Uh, they lost to the Eagles. Um, but yeah, they, that's it. The Dolphins are the only playoff team they beat all season, and they still they didn't look great at all. And the reason for that is. And there's a couple matchup advantages I like for the Bills here, assuming that they're relatively healthy. One, why was the Chief, why were the Chiefs broken this year on offense? Well, their tackles were awful. And that's a huge problem that not a lot of people talk about. Everyone talks about their weapons, and their weapons suck, which is true. But their tackles were horrendous this year. Bills can get pressure off the edge and they can do it without blitzing. 
you can't blitz Mahomes. You just you can't. Any I don't care where you're playing. You'll be playing on the moon. You can't blitz. Him. Last week because Miami didn't they didn't have any they didn't have any DNs or linebackers left. Fangio was cover zero blitzing uh, to try to generate pressure. Can't do that. I don't care if it's you're playing on Neptune within negative thousand degrees. Bills don't blitz. So that's step one. Get pressure off the edge. Don't blitz. They have the safeties and linebackers, assuming they're relatively healthy, to just bracket Kelsey, who's just who's not the same player. I mean, he, he gets 100 yards every playoff game. I'm sure he'll have like 10 targets, but he's not the same player, not ex, not the same explosive player. And if you have Rasul Douglas, you put him on Rice, and then it's like, who are you throwing to? That's why the Chiefs' offense is broken. And there's only so much Mahomes can do. And the Bills match up well against them. Again, assuming like you need Doug, Douglas is important here. And Johnson as well. Those are the two I'd be watching. And then you need one of at least one of your linebackers. And on the other side of the ball, the Chiefs defense remarkably improved overall. They still can't stop the run. It's still bottom, I don't know, six, seven run dates. And now the Bills are the most, since Brady took over, the most run-heavy team in the league. Weeks one through 10, eighth in pass rate. Weeks 11 through last week, 32nd. Most run-heavy team in the league. Chiefs can't stop the run. Go back to that Dallas game in Buffalo. I kind of think that's how Buffalo might approach this, especially if they have some defensive injuries. You just keep Mahomes on the sidelines, and you say, we're going to line up, and we're just going to fucking run through you the entire game and not stop. And that's a lot of Allen. That's ton of Cook. And that's just – and then you take your shots. You draw your safeties up. You take occasional shots to to Diggs. And uh, that's the biggest matchup advantage in this game to me, which I think ultimately will be the difference – is that the Bills should be able to consistently run on Kansas City, and then you have easy third down, you know, much more manageable third downs. And then the other side of the ball, they should be able to get pressure off the edge. And then they have the guys to – it's not it's not difficult to come up with a, a scheme to cover the, the weapons on Kansas City. Here's how Kansas City can still, you know, still beat teams with these weapons, is that Mahomes is the best quarterback on the planet. So if he's able to, if you can't get pressure on him or if he's able to, you know, buy time, it doesn't matter who the receivers are. You just can't cover for that long. But if you can get pressure, they're not difficult to cover. And Buffalo can generate pressure without blitzing, which is the key because Mahomes is so good at reading where the blitz is coming from and then getting the ball out in space or just evading it. And then you got no one downfield. So I think that's the biggest advantage of this game. I think three is the perfect number. Like if it was three and a half, I'd probably put bite on some chiefs if it was two and a half which it was flat two and a half, i would have played the bills but i the injuries were too much of a concern for me plus i already have some exposure with the future i think it'll be a great game it'll be weird it's bills chiefs so something weird will happen in the fourth quarter as it always does it would be funny and fitting if what that weird thing was sorry i'm rambling you're like oh, i need 10 minutes i was like i, I should have reminded you well you can't get me on a call for a podcast for only 10 20 minutes talking so i'll go for three hours but it'd be weird and fitting if this the last time these two teams played in the playoffs we changed the overtime rules and because the bills didn't get to get the ball you know the chiefs won the toss i had a bills future that year too which brutal uh, bills didn't get a chance to get the ball we changed the rules we haven't seen an overtime game with the new playoff rules whereas if you score a touchdown no matter what in the playoffs the other team gets a chance to get the ball Two things there. One, I'm so curious to see what the first team that wins the coin toss does. Mathematically, you're supposed to, it's like a one and a half percent win probability difference, but you're supposed to kick, right? You def, you kick, you defer, 
And then you try to stop them. And if you get the ball, a field goal wins it. If they get a field goal, you know you either need a field goal or a touchdown to win it. Not a huge difference, but you should defer. But how fitting would it be if goes to overtime, this game, first overtime game since then, Bills elect to receive because McDermott would do something like that. And they score a touchdown. But the game's not over because of the rule change. And then the Chiefs score a touchdown and match them. And then the Chiefs end up winning under the new playoff overtime rules. Um, I don't know if anyone just followed my ramble, but did you follow that? I did, and I could certainly see it happen. Stuck, you're the best man. I appreciate you doing this. Where can everyone find you? Uh, at Stucky2 on X. Uh, you can find uh, Action Network Podcast, NFL, Big Bets on Campus College. Uh, appreciate you having me on to let me ramble. Good luck this weekend, and uh, happy late New Year. Let's do this again pretty soon, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Manny. Absolutely, brother. All right. Thank you to Stucky. Stucky was awesome. Uh, just so people know, we do these through Zoom. Zoom boots you out of 30 minutes at 30 minute max with Zoom. So uh, that's why the ending was a little bit rushed, but man, could have talked to him forever. A lot of great information, very detailed, very comprehensive. So I uh, want to get him back on. He, he said he'll come back on in a couple of weeks to talk some college basketball. He's a wizard betting college basketball. Uh, I did ask him off the air uh after, hey, who's the most underrated team in college basketball right now? And he said St. John's for what that's worth. So uh, thank you to Stucky. He was great. Have him on again soon. And enjoy the rest of the weekend. Enjoy the last weekend of football where you get multiple games. There's not too many of these left, so you got to enjoy it. Hopefully we hit some bets. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to download, rate, review, subscribe. We'll break it all down Monday. See you guys then.